Thank you so much. Hey, Pastor Josh, here's your phone. All right. <laughs> You'll be looking, yeah, 200 bucks. <laughs> hey, um, before Pastor Monica comes up, who's, uh, who's uh, the, the powerful preacher of our family, I just want to say hi and uh, thank you for the opportunity for being here and being with you guys. It was 35 years ago that I sat back, there were pews, hard pews in the back row, sleeping in these seats many days. And uh, just, I just, we just want to come here to encourage you guys and um, let you know that God has great plans for you, to prosper you and not to harm you. It was 35 years ago, without a clue in my life that I'd be doing what I do now, that I stepped in this place. All I knew is that God had called me to go to this school and that I was to finish. I don't know if any of you are in that predicament that I was in, but that's where I was. I graduated with a Christian studies degree. That's basically nothing, right? I mean, it was Bible, it was philosophy, it was pre-law, it was someone that didn't have a clue what God was going to do. I worked full-time at the Hyatt Regency while I attended here at school, and I became a manager, and um, then, I, then I went to work in a homeless shelter. But it was here where, at this school, that my heart for the poor began to develop. Um, I lived in a place called the Pie House. I don't know what you call it now, but it's the house on 15th in Chicago. And across the street was Danny's Liquor, Danny's Bar. And uh, Danny's Bar, there'd be fights almost nightly, drunken brawls in the street. And we'd be woken up uh, at night. And there was one morning when I woke up and I looked out the window and on the front sidewalk at Danny's Bar was a indigenous man who was passed out, drunk, cold, 6 a.m. in the morning on the street. And instead of being, I don't know, in, negative, somewhere in my heart, compassion just developed. I don't know where it came from, but somewhere in my heart, I felt compassion for a man who was drunk and laying on the sidewalk, curb spread out. It's amazing to me how God can take those little things and make them grow and lead us in directions that we never thought of before. You know, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a story that there's going to be a day when he brings all the world together, and the Bible says that he's going to separate everybody like a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he's going to put some on his left and some on his right, and the ones, the Bible says, who clothed the naked who fed the poor, who was kind and visited those in prison, who welcomed strangers, the Bible says that they will be rewarded. And then it says much harsher things for those who ignored the cries of the poor. I'm not here to get, today to give a theology lesson on eternity or or um, the life of rewards from works because I'm not smart enough. 
But I do know this, that over 2,000 verses in the Bible talk about how we as believers are to treat the marginalized and the poor in our city. You see, it's God's heart that his church not forget those who are often overlooked. You know, I know that most of us today, when, when I went to school here, um, it was 90% ministry graduates, <laughs> right? And uh, now I know it's 90% marketplace ministry graduates, amen? I want you to know that God wants you, us, me, all of us together to make sure wherever we go, whatever we do, that we always have an element of God. How do you want me to use this to help those who are least around me? It's our responsibility. It's our call. It's our mission. Whether you're called to be a nurse or called to start a business or to be in IT or whatever it is, part of that, there has to be something carved out in a mission where you ask God, God, how will I use this to help someone who's on their way up? Doesn't matter if you're a musician or a writer or an entrepreneur. Include this passion for the poor. Like you, I'm involved in marketplace ministry also, my wife and I. I know that most of you who may have heard of us know us as church planners and pastors, but we got side hustles all over the place. I, I, my wife and I, we own a couple hotels. We own apartment buildings. Matter of fact, we manage one of the largest Airbnb businesses in downtown Minneapolis. And so every day when we are doing all of these things, I ask God, my wife and I ask God, how can we use this to help the least in our city? You see, I, I'm not different from you because I'm a pastor. I'm like you because I'm a Christian. At the end of service, uh, we'll be in the back foyer, and we'd love to meet with you and, and talk with you and see if you would like to uh, engage with us. We are already looking for our interns this coming year, and we have interns who've done IT, who've done nonprofit fundraising, who've done all kinds of different marketplace ministry serving the local church. And we're excited that maybe God might bring some of you into our team. We've got some of our great leaders right here, and they'll be in the back. I don't want to take any more time. Pastor Monica. Amen. One of the things that I've been doing a series with our people, in is, and it comes from a, the book, The Greatest Salesman. And uh, one of his first tips was, I will wake up each day with love in my heart. If we want to be successful, we need to wake up each day with love in our hearts. But 
that's hard to do when you don't know who you are or whose you are. Uh, life is too threatening to wake up with love in our hearts. We got too many other things going on. We're like caterpillars ready to push its way out of a cocoon into something beautiful. We want to break free. We want to break free of fear, insecurities, and apprehensions and doubts. Just because we're all here doesn't mean that we all know why we're here or that on a daily basis we're running 100% know what we're doing. I, I, before I knew the Lord, before I came to North Central, I spent 15 years strung out on heroin and cocaine for 14 years of my life. I said the same thing every day. Today's my last day. I'm not going to use tomorrow. Well, that went on for 14 years when I tried to take my life and was unsuccessful. I was unsuccessful because God had a plan for my life. And he was setting me up for the right time at the right place. I wasn't looking for him. He was looking for me. But I didn't know what any of that meant. So through a series of events, I, I found the Lord. And after I went through a discipleship program, I felt called to go to school. I felt called to go to a Bible school, whatever that meant. I just knew that this is what God wanted me to do. And, and, and I was a little older than the traditional college student. And, and I had all kinds of fears and apprehensions about it. I didn't even know where to go, how to go. I didn't know there was a difference between Protestant, Methodist, Assembly of God, Church of God, Catholic. I just thought there was Jesus. That's it. That's all I thought, Jesus. And so I sent away to all these schools. And every day I was living in the Bronx, the mailbox was filled with brochures from Methodist, Protestant, and Catholic. I could have been a nun out of my ignorance for what was happening. But thank God that God leads us and speaks to us and directs our steps. He showed me the brochure that I got from this school. And I was looking through it, and it stood out to me. And I said, that's the school that I'm going to go to. So I packed up my little one suitcase, that's all I owned in the world, and I came to this school. I didn't know what next. All I knew is I want to serve God. That's it. I just want to serve God. I had people, I, we don't know all the time which direction God has taken us. So I went what came natural to my mind. I thought, well, you know, I spent the whole life in the city, in the inner city, and, and so what I think I'm going to do is foreign missions. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fly out of here and not deal with any of these problems here. But um, something happened. I was back in New York during the summer working on Wall Street. It was about 4 in the morning. 
and I heard this loud breaking glass. And I looked out my window from the third floor, and there was a young man, uh, maybe late teenager, put his fist through a window. He was uh, one of the kids in the neighborhood. He was on crack. He was really messed up. But he put his fist through a window, and it cut an artery. And so blood was coming out like a fountain. And I'm up on my third floor window looking down, and he's screaming. He's screaming, look at my arm, look at my arm. And then he said three words, somebody save me. And he said it over and over and over again. My neighbors were throwing down towels and sheets to wrap this guy's arm. The police were there. They were waiting for an ambulance. It took 40 minutes. He screamed, somebody save me for 40 minutes. And then it got quiet. I figured that I don't know what I figured, but when I woke up in the morning, I looked out the window, and there was the police tape they put up when a crime is committed, and there was ballistics taking photos of his blood, and I realized that boy didn't make it, that he died last night. And so I'm riding down. I worked on Wall Street. I was working with traders. And so I'm riding the subway, and all I could hear was, somebody save me. Somebody save me. Somebody save me. All the way there, it was like I was being tortured. And when I got there, I told the traders I worked with, I told them about the boy in the Bronx that died, and they told me to shut up. We don't care about no boy in the Bronx. It's another troublemaker dead. That stung me. Because what they, I told them my testimonies, but it must have went over their heads because I was a troublemaker, saved by grace. No different than the boy that died last night in the Bronx. And I was mortified and crushed. And when I went home that night, I cried out to God saying nobody cared about this boy. Maybe his mom and that was it. The rest, they, they hosed his blood off the street and it went down the drain. And it meant nothing. No one talked about it. It was just nothing. He died a senseless death. And I'm crying out, nobody cared. Who's going to care? And God spoke to my heart and he said, you don't care. And I was stunned because he was right. I'm going overseas. I'm going to another mission field. That night, my life changed. It was like a crucible happened. And where I was going this direction, I knew I was going to go this direction, that God was calling me to inner city lives, lives like that boy that died in the Bronx. He died a senseless death. His blood was spilt all over Grand Avenue for nothing. But thank God there was one who shed his blood, and it was for something. It wasn't for nothing. It was for businessmen who say who cares. It was for women like me. It was for drug addicts like him. It was for all of us so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. I returned to school, and I 
got out of the missions program. There was nothing other than to sign up for pastoral program. And so that's what I did. Still not knowing what I'm going to do. I just want to help people. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says this, As a man thinketh, so he is. That scripture, what it tells me is, I play off of Descartes who says, I think, therefore I am. That scripture tells me, I think, therefore I create. Which tells me that I'm not a rowboat in the middle of the ocean going anywhere the waves take me, unless that's how my mind is going. But that When I got Jesus, I had everything I need to succeed. I got the oars, and I could direct that ship. Now I could write my own story and not let other people's circumstances or other people, what they think about me, write my story. Fear pushes us into the darkness of hiding and offers us an escape from the reality. The reality is that we are children of the Most High God. Yet the memory of our past failures stay in the forefronts of our mind because of the pain. I used to believe this is all I can ever be. I will never be more than what I am right now. A lie. Each one of us will definitely be more than what we are right now. We're all on this journey, and you're on a journey that I was on years ago. And even out of my naivety, and even though I went wrong directions, God still kept me. He still kept me. He held me. He directed me. He let me make mistakes, stepping stones to success. I will persist until I succeed. I want to live authentic. I don't want to put on a religious cloak. I want to be who God designed me to be. I want to live an authentic life, and I know you do too. And you will find that life, and you will discover that life. But I know I'm not the only one who who might feel that I'm not smart enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not small enough, I'm not enough. I want to encourage you today to not try and hide these things, but bring it to the light. Expose the things that are in our hearts that are going to hold us down. Fear is going to put us in bondage. In, in the Bible, talks about Mephibosheth, who was the grandson of Saul. While when Saul was taking, when David was taking over, he promised Jonathan that he would take care of his family, and he didn't know if there were any left alive. But there was this one man, and he lived in a place called Lodabar, a place of nothing, barren. Nothing. Nothing grew there. He was royalty, and yet he lived in bondage and free and fear. 
I want to encourage you. See, our Lodabar is not a place. Our Lodabar is up in our minds. We can imprison ourselves while God has great plans for us. We don't want to sell out to our circumstances. And I don't know what your circumstances are, but I do know the snares of the enemy. I know that when we desire to serve God in any capacity that we are, lay ministry, uh, what, uh, social work, whatever it is that you're going in, the enemy will lay a snare for you. And you're in a great place right now. You're in a place that you can be molded and shaped. If I could get the uh, worship team to come. I know that some of you may have experienced death like I did. My dad died, and it changed the course of my life. Some of you have experienced sickness in your family. Some of you have experienced divorces. Some of you have made mistakes like I had made. I want to encourage you today to put the devil under your feet, put your doubts, your fears, your low self-esteem, because those are not the realities. The reality is that you are a child of the most high God, and in you, Jesus lives, and because he lives in you, you got everything you need to succeed. Anything else is a lie. Anything else is a lie. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And if we're going to succeed, we need to believe. We need to not cling to our own thoughts, which, which put us down, but to God's word, which brings us up. It encourages us. Do you understand that the Holy Spirit lives in you? That's a, God the Father, God the Son. God, the Holy Spirit, a part of God lives in you. So what can't you do? You can do all things. There is nothing that you can't do. It don't matter what your neighbor says about you. It don't matter if they're talking about you over here. It don't matter if everything's falling apart. doesn't matter if you take two steps forward and five steps back. Keep digging. Just keep digging. So I want you to bow your heads with me today. It's the beginning of the school year, and what a great time chapel is that we can uh, come and sit at his feet. Because while I'm preached the word, it's here where God seals the deal. It's at his altar. So I just want to ask you, if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, pray for me, for whatever reason, just slip up your hand. Pray for me. Pray for me. Amen, amen. Pray for me. I want God to move in my life. 
I don't want to live off my fears. I want to live off the word. I want to go forth with boldness. I want to love my neighbor as I love myself, even if that neighbor is someone like I used to be. Could you love me? Those of you, let's stand to our feet. And those of you that slipped up your hands, let's, come, let's just come just for a couple minutes right here. Let's just come before the Lord and let's see what God is going to do in your hearts. It's how he's going to speak to your heart. How he wants to solidify what he's doing in your heart. Come on, this is your moment. This is your moment. This is your moment to be authentic. To let God work in you what he wants to work in you. Jesus. Come on. Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. 